What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap. It is now May 30th, 2022. We are here for the Fightful AEW Double or Nothing post show. This has been a wild week. We're going to talk a lot about that wild week. Um, I heard back from MJF tonight. I'm going to talk about that. We've got Julie Cutler here. The Crown Jewels over on Instagram. She joined us on, I believe it was our Backlash prediction show and was a big hit. So we brought her back for AEW Double or Nothing. Right now, Denise, Will, Reg, and Phil are all at uh, the AEW post-show scrum. I'm going to be getting fed information from that scrum uh, to read off here on the air. But uh, I want you guys to go support Denise's content, especially she pays for those trips out of pocket. So uh, if you all want to, we've got a live stream of the scrums and Denise will have a lot of the produced videos on her channel. But we got Julie here. Julie, how you doing? I am very tired. Let me tell you, it is 12.50 a.m. where I am right now. Also, just wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone who was trying to keep up with both Double or Nothing and NBA Game 7 oh, tonight. Man. That was a stressful time. But uh, wow, what a sh that first of all, we have a lot of content to talk about. What a show, what a card. That was a long yeah. match card, and there was a lot of a lot of good content in there. So um, wherever you want to start, Sean. Well, I'll start out by telling everybody, uh, support our sponsors, NordVPN.com slash Fightful and AthleticGreens.com slash Fightful. Also, leave a thumbs up on this video if you want your question or statement right on the air. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube.com slash Fightful, well, first off, you're in luck. We do post shows for every show, <clears throat> Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Impact, pay-per-views, and the like. Uh, so hang out with us. Last week, we had interviews with RJ City and Hangman Page that dropped. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. They were a lot of fun. But you can donate a Super Chat to get your question or statement read on the air, or you can go over to HumperChats.com. Our uh, wonderful fella, Luis, is uh, collecting those, and he will get to them. We read them as they are pertinent throughout the show. Obviously, there are a few subjects on this show that we'll kind of be expanding on and talking about a little bit more, but big thank you to Luis. Drew filling in for him this week as well. Be kind to our moderators, please. We would greatly appreciate it. But um, if you troll in the chat, we'll boot you. We don't have time for that. We cultivate a nice... Um, friendly environment here. So please be cognizant of that and uh, please support our work. But we're going to start with the pre-show because I think we can kind of get through that match uh, fairly quick. But we already have some super chats. Johan says, far from AEW's best pay-per-view, they could have cut at least an hour. Women's world title was match of the night. Punk should be champion. But taking off babyface, they built for three years of some BS. So the, the runtime of the show Julie was a hot topic and yes. Tony has been pretty protective of that uh, in the past saying, well, we don't have that many pay-per-views, so they're going to be longer. That's a good point. From the pre-show, from the pre-show first match to the end was five hours. Personally, I don't need that. Um, you know, you'll have occasionally people saying, well, they've been long forever. What do you expect? I don't know. I don't think they need to be that long. There are a few matches I think could have been on Rampage or Dynamite. How did you feel about the runtime? I, I agree with that. I mean, for one, that is a good point. They don't have a lot of pay-per-views at this point. Um, this is, you know, widely considered their largest pay-per-view of the year, kind of like their WrestleMania. So the fact that it's five hours, I mean, I appreciate I appreciated all of the content. However, I do feel like 
you know, even tonight and in the past, I felt this way as well. There are probably one or two matches that I feel like they kind of threw on at the last minute that didn't necessarily have as much long-term storytelling behind them that I agree. I think that they probably could have done it on a Dynamite or a Rampage. It seemed like um, sometimes, like, for example, the the TBS championship match, um, I feel like they kind of did that at um, Revolution as well, where they sort of threw on a match for the TBS championship last minute. And it kind of felt like they did it because they wanted it to be a part of the show, but it didn't really have much of a a big story that was leading up to it that made me feel like it was something where I needed to wait for the pay-per-view to see it. They they crammed a lot into that TBS title match, and we'll, we'll talk about that. They but... did. I have very mixed feelings about that as yeah. well. C says, every pay-per-view is always 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. in the UK. Glad I stayed up, though. Amazing show. I thought it closed really well the last hour and a half, but it started with Hookhausen against Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. I get a kick of out of Mark Sterling having to pretend like he's not athletic because he is. He's, he's he a is. good worker. He trained he's, at Creator Pro, with, uh, yeah. which is the same, the same the, school that MJF trained at and Chris Statlander. So he's definitely... Max Caster, yeah. Yeah, he's people. definitely very well trained. So it is kind of funny when he was playing the role of uh, MJF's lawyer, for example, and he comes out in like the full um, padded suit. And I'm like... It, it was it was good for, for TV, but if you know... And he's also... he. Um, has previously appeared in the past on, uh, I believe it was on Raw back in 2019 um, as an extra. And so it's kind of funny seeing him, you know, pretend like he's not well-trained when we know that he is. We got Jeff saying the runtime or runtime was okay for me, but match order was bogus. Well, the runtime on this wasn't much at all. It was five minutes, 20 seconds. Dan Housen gets the win over Mark Sterling. I think this accomplished what it needed to do. It was very entertaining, very fun. Uh, a good match to have on the kickoff. Ideally, I would have had another one of these matches on the kickoff as well, but I thought that this worked out just fine. I think it's interesting. Really quickly, I wanted to bring up the pairing of Hook and Danhausen because I've heard some mixed reviews on this. I think it's kind of interesting. I think right off the bat, Hook you know, entered this company. Everyone wanted to send Hook. And then once they sent Hook, we were like, whoa. I mean, his debut is widely regarded by a lot of experts as one of the best debuts in wrestling history, which is saying a lot coming from some of the people that were were giving him that praise. Um, and so I think that there were, there were some mixed opinions about kind of putting him with Dan Housen, kind of like the juxtaposition between the two of them having more of a comedy figure with someone who they were sort of pumping up to be like this sort of mute, badass, won't look at his, at his opponents, buries them in a couple of minutes. So yeah. I think it's, it's kind of an interesting pairing that could go either way. Um, it's interesting that they ran with it, but I know that there's some mixed feelings about that. I don't know if you have any, have heard anything or have oh. any on that SRS. I'm I'm gonna wait and kind of see how how that all works out. And yeah, see how that's Hook, how I feel too. How Hook plays off of him. Jam Beard mentions that Smart Mark dressed like Johnny Knoxville. But Landon, <laughs> Landon, thank you for the generous super chat. Says when is Dan Housen gonna beat Punk for the AW <laughs> World Championship? I think Dan Housen is gonna be really good in the role that he's in. He is just instantly likable, and that is a quality that not a lot of people uh, have. Action says here's a five spot for staying up late for us. Greatly appreciate it. And Zach Schimmel says. This show ruled. I love AEW as much as I love Fightful. Well, I love you guys too. Oh, and so nice. um, we had a big piece of news that dropped yesterday. Um, MJF, just it's a fact. He no-showed his meet and greet. Throughout the afternoon, 
I got information that, keep in mind, was confirmed by multiple other outlets that a flight had been booked for MJF out of Las Vegas. Uh, and I didn't report which airport. And the reason intentionally why I didn't report what airport it was to was for two reasons. One, privacy reasons, because I, I don't want people showing up and bugging the dude. Two, if somebody else verified it, I wanted to be able to reach out to them and say, okay, if you have verified it, tell me the airport. Well, PW Insider accurately reported that it was Newark. So they were very clearly able to gain the same information I was. I physically saw the ticket. Now, I want to make this clear. This did not come from MJF. It did not come from AEW. This came from a person who has provided me accurate information dozens of times. Uh, they don't work with any company like that. Um, it was not something that I was to come across. I don't think it's something that either AEW or MJF thought I was going to come across. And I, I want to make this clear too. I do not know who booked that flight. I don't know if it was MJF or AEW or somebody else, but I had people even in the company saying, is it possible that some crazy fan booked it? That ticket costs over two grand. They did not a uh, fan did not book it. And also it was booked about 20 minutes before he no showed the meet and greet. So it was before any fans would have known that there was an issue. Um, there are probably about a half dozen people that are at that scrum that have, that I have kind of let in on that info and they have seen the same documents that I have seen in order as good faith. When Brian Alvarez tweeted last night that he uh, thought that maybe no ticket was bought. I, I showed him. I was like, hey, listen, just so you know, here you go. I want to make it clear. I don't know who booked that flight. I still don't know who booked it. Uh, I have tried to ask. I asked MJF yesterday. He completely no-sold it. I reached out to MJF yesterday, and I said, listen, man, I want to know that you're okay physically because when something like that happens, I fear the worst based on what we've seen. I got a response back that was like, that, that assured me physically okay. I also want to make this clear. WWE didn't book that flight. <laughs> they did not book that yeah. flight. That is That would be uh, a, a legal issue for them if they did something like that. Um, I talked to MJF minimally yesterday and almost not at all about the situation. It was, and somebody says, 2K for a non-international red eye? That can't be possible. On 12 hours notice across the country. Memorial luck, Day weekend. On Memorial Day weekend. I hate to tell you, buddy. I mean, that's, that's just, that's what it was. Um, I was able to verify that information. And not only that, multiple other outlets were able to verify that information. Um, but... Yeah, that was it was a very, very expensive ticket. Um, and I, again, I don't know who did it. Um, but MJF did show up today. There was a chorus of boos for him. Chorus of boos. Um, this is going to be something we talk quite a bit about, but this was a squash. We got Terry saying, well, MJF's next step be to control his narrative. Uh, I know, I know that's, a, that's a rib, but... Man, there's a lot to get into here. Connor says, was that always the plan for the MJF-Wardlow match? I would say yes. I would. I would Julie, I thought this was going to be a squash all the way around. I do too. I don't think 
I and you had mentioned this yesterday because I was up late following your journey of being up late trying to track what was going on with MJ. And, and I know that there was some discussion yesterday as well, people wondering if there was anything going on, any sort of um unhappiness surrounding the booking situation for this particular match. I think I've not heard of anything. I've not heard of anything. It seems to me for what I would expect this match to be for the way that they've been building this slow burn story for so long. This is exactly what I would have expected this match to be. This match was really supposed to be Wardlow's moment. I mean, this has been a slow burn story for, I don't know how, how long now? I mean, over a year. I mean, this has been going on for months and months to me. This was, um, I'm glad that this match happened because to me, this match was an example of long-term storytelling, long-term booking and wrestling at its finest. Years, years long build. Like we talk about the build of hangman page. This was the build for, for Wardlow and our buddy Zach Schimmel dropping a major super chat. He says, I've not shown support of Fightful lately. I say in the shadows, but I watch all shows, not even live. Fightful's worth your money. Even if you subscribe, everyone in the community is great. The mods, the staff, even the champion of Fightful, Joel, everyone continue to support Fightful. We broke that news on Fightful Select last night, and I want to thank Zach. He does this anytime he pops up, and a big thank you. We are publicly funded, and uh, listen, there's some people who are never going to believe anything that we write, and there are some of you who subscribe and you see the track record and see how it works out, but Big thank you to Zach. We greatly appreciate you. But I think it was always supposed to happen like this. And MJF put over Wardlow big. He took yes. like 12 power bombs, got pinned, and they stretchered him out. And I thought it was oxygen on him. Oh they put God. it on upside down <laughs> over his eyes. It was amazing. It was so funny. So, oh, and when he got in the ring, he did like an airplane motion referencing the, the Fightful so- Select story. I I, la- I laughed my ass off. I had people saying, "Oh, he's he's going at you for for getting worked." And I was like, "Guys, uh, Julie, you know that I know this man personally. Yes, I introduced you to his father. Yes, we we know Stephen Friedman person. I was yes. like last last night. I was like, I wonder. I was like, I wonder. You know, if it's uh, the Pagel King, like maybe he has information <laughs> about what's going. Well, on. I I would never reach out to somebody's family I, member I, for I, stuff like that, I but know. um. But uh, I've, I've is- spoken with the, the man numerous times. Yes. And in a situation like this, I reach out to him. And obviously I'm like, hey, listen, man, I got a, I got a lot of people close to him that they're like, they're swearing. They're like, it's a work, but it's only a work from Max's side. And I said, well, if it's only a work from Max's side, I guarantee you AEW and Tony Khan do not consider this a work. They consider it a pain in their ass. Now, Tony Khan will be at the media scrum tonight. I imagine we're going to see plenty of information emerge from that. But I did hear back from MJF. um, And this is what he claims. I have not verified this with anybody backstage yet because people were getting very quiet about this um, ahead of the show. He said, I showed up last minute. I left right after my match. I've got a lot to think about. I'm going dark again. That's what he told me. Now, um, last night he told me he was kind of going to go dark on social media, phone and all that. But I mean, you know, the first concern over something like that, physically, mentally, you okay? Physically, I know he's okay. I'm not going to speak to anybody's mental state because I don't know his mental state. I don't know. He didn't tell me. I didn't hear anything about it. But um, he told me that he showed up right before the show, that he left right after. 
I don't know. I, I want to make this clear. I don't know if that was approved ahead of time that he could show up right before. I don't know if AEW or Tony got in on it. I can tell you that as this started two months ago, 100% was not a work. MJF was incredibly frustrated about the money he was making. During that period, I had talent telling me, um, somebody says, how can you prove that you actually talked to him? Uh, I'm not gonna, sorry. You can just take my word for it. And if you don't believe me, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not showing you my messages. That's just, that's just it. Um, but they had a conversation a couple months ago. They had, a, it was water under the bridge. MJF did not get over it. Things were okay briefly. And then they, they just weren't. And for everybody that says, oh my gosh, it's, it's gotta be a work. How can you not tell? I'm surprised that you all don't assume that that's my first instinct. It's MJF. Like, why would I not immediately assume when anybody comes to me with anything, that's the first thing that I assume is that it's a work, anything. And then I work from there. So he said that he showed up right before, left right after. I'm going to work to verify that information. That was that was his claim. Um, Dave Meltzer had reported before the show that it was set to go first. As you hear that, what's on your mind, Julie? Well, well, first of all, I was just very glad that the match was happening because, you know, with the story that you were reporting on last night and the way things had been looking on social media today, um, you know, I remember last night as you were reporting, there was what very well could have been a timed post by AEW that was advertising the match. And so, you know, it was very confusing because we have, the, you know, the information that's happening in real time versus what's being presented on social media. So there's this whole sense of, is it happening? Is it not happening? Uh, first of all, I was very glad that it was happening because as much as, you know, you feel, you feel for MJF and for, you know, whatever is happening behind the scenes, um, you know, from a personal standpoint, you, you've got to feel for someone who's, who's taking the initiative to know their worth and stand up for themselves. But um, from the perspective of, of Wardlow having his moment, I was very glad to see it happen just mm -hmm. because, like I said, this has been such a long-term slow burn storyline. Mm -hmm. And now Wardlow, I mean, he went from being kind of like the mute guy standing behind MJF to now suddenly being recognized as a potential major player in the company. And I feel like this was a career changing night for him. I feel like this was the night that was supposed to solidify him leaving MJF behind and going his own way and, you know, becoming, um, you know, someone who could potentially be a major champion in the company someday. So, you know, for, for me, I was just glad to see that it was happening so that, I mean, not only, you know, you think about the fans, you think about all of the people that had long anticipated this match. But for me, it was really just about Wardlow getting his big moment finally. And so I was happy to see that it was able to happen to, in order to make that happen for him. Um, the fact that it was happening first, I don't know if that had long been planned that way or if that was kind of a last minute arrangement given everything that's been going on. I mean, logistically, it made sense to me that it was happening first. Um, 
I think in terms of like booking from a booking standpoint, I don't think it was a, a terrible idea in the sense that it's something that people had long anticipated to start off the show. Um, it wasn't like a crazy long match to start off the show. I mean, it was MJF got a little bit of a little bit of offense in, but it was mm -hmm. it was somewhat of a squash. Um, I actually felt bad because he took so many power bombs that by the end I could tell it almost seemed like he was trying to land on more on his elbows a little bit to sort of like cushion himself. Cause I can only imagine. Yeah, I saw that that happened several times. Yeah. yeah. So I can, only, I mean, I can only imagine taking however many power bombs in a row that's got to take a toll on you. So good on him for, especially with everything that's been going on, good on him for, for stepping up to the plate to, to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from a booking standpoint, it worked out just fine. Um, and I was just very glad for the sake of everybody that it was able to happen. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some super chats. Daniel, or actually uh, Irene says the MJF Wardlow match was a 10, 10 squash. It perfectly elevated Wardlow. And if this is a write-off for MJF, it's good. He went out on his back again. I want to make this clear. Don't know if he's written off. Don't know what the future holds. I got nothing on that. I got people that are like MJF worked SRS. MJF did not give SRS the flight information that that didn't come from him. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp heard from other people. MJF and Tony Khan had an argument. I verified that with both individuals after that. I had other talent in the company saying yesterday, I believe he's trying to leave town. I did not verify that with MJF. I didn't report that until today because I couldn't be sure that he was trying to leave town. Uh, I encourage you guys, please uh, follow what we reported as opposed to just conjecture out there. But Brian says, newer follower of Fightful, and I wanted to thank you all for the hard work you've been doing during all the confusion yesterday. Sean was the only source I trusted. Well, I appreciate that. There were some other good sources. I, I There's nothing that Mike Johnson reported that I didn't, I couldn't back up. Like, there, his reporting on that was, was also very good. Uh, Steven asks if we've seen the last of MJF and AEW. This is my hunch. This isn't a report. I don't think so. Chris said, why not renegotiate the deal? Khan isn't hurting for money and MJF is worth it. So one talent told me that they believe that, or, or not, not that they believe, one talent told me that Tony had said to them, well, I, of course I'm going to pay him top guy money. He's a top guy. And when that became a thing, like with MJF, I, I felt like the goalposts were getting moved a little bit. Like it became more about the money and more about, about, something else i just don't know what that something else was and that's when i became like is there more to this are they playing off of the the hype behind that or whatever because max is a smart guy tony's a smart guy they know that the buzz off of something like that would work so that is not completely out of my mind when people say is this a work the story in totality anything's possible a flight getting booked yesterday out of vegas not a work that's there was objective evidence to that. Whether or not he was actually going to leave, that much I can't say. Van, go ahead. Sorry. That's okay. I was just going to chime in really quickly. I do think, um, I mean, there's a lot, there's so much that happens, personal conversations, personal interactions behind the scenes that most people, you have a lot more visibility than most people do, but most people just don't have that level of visibility. And I sometimes, sometimes I feel like these stories that come out about, you know, 
these these con conflicts that occur, it almost feels like a game of telephone because I feel like you know, you basically get as many accurate details as possible um, for someone sort of coming uh, from your perspective. Fresh off the stretcher at that. Right. And I think, but then I feel like the more this story sort of gets relayed through the media, the more people start tweeting about it and talking about it and just kind of picking up bits and pieces, it becomes more and more misconstrued from probably what the the reality actually is. Um, I do think the the smart thing is, I know we mentioned earlier, like when MJF got in the ring before his match and he's doing the airplane taunt and just some of the lines he's dropped in interviews. I mean, if anything, the fact that he is able, you know, being the creative genius that he is, the fact that he is able to take some of this and work it into his character and, and kind of make it a very blurred line of, what is real that I'm saying and what am I doing to just kind of poke the bear? Um, and that's always, again, the best storytelling and wrestling is, is stuff that's based off of what's happening in real life. And so exactly. the fact that he does capitalize on it a little bit to his advantage, bravo to him. Just another reason why I think he's one of the greats. Uh, Tony Khan is starting off with the media scrum with CM Punk. I'll have information uh, as this goes along, um, there we, we got information that's uh, being fed to us, so no need to go anywhere. But um, we've got, gosh, let me scroll up and find these. We got plenty of super chats. NBA mixed doc says from Chicago. Now I have to go to Forbidden Door and Boo Punk. No business with the belt. I did enjoy how they handled the MJF thing, though. I thought all things considered, they handled it really well. They milked him. Uh, <laughs> They milked him coming out a little bit longer. He did the airplane thing. I thought that was a great way to capitalize on that. I do too. Joel said, do you think this is it for MJF and AEW? Does he even make it another 18 months? 18 months? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I feel like we'll see him at least once before. And hey, what's that over there? Says the last year of this contract will be the most interesting year in AEW storyline and business-wise. It's, it's a year and a half. January 1st, 2024. At least that's what his camp says. Uh, there has been some mis miscommunication in the past between talent and AEW about technically when that when that started. I got no answer as to why he missed the fan fest. And again, I was shocked about that because usually he makes all of his commitments. Um, but we've got Leo saying, if the MJF thing is work, I have him be the one that dethrones Punk. They still ice or they still have not had their rubber match, but at least wait another year for that. I think that'd be. Uh, a really great match, but I do too. I actually think that that would be a great way to revitalize that story. Yeah. The thing about when people say this is a work, if you ask three, four, five different people, they'll say, and you say, what is the work? They'll say, well, it's MJF playing you or it's MJF playing the people. Okay. Then they'll say, well, it's MJF and AEW as a company. Well, AEW as a company was told to not comment on it and, then people will say, well, it's MJF and Tony. It's like, well, somebody backstage is getting worked in this situation because the talent are left in the dark, completely in the dark. So the element of a possible work, again, that hasn't escaped me. It's MJF. I'm very cognizant of this. But um, Action says TK wants to treat wrestling contracts uh, similarly to other pro wrestling or pro athlete contracts. You want more money, you give us more time. MJF doesn't want to hear that. Incorrect. I reported last week that MJF's camp, their side of things are like, well, 
contracts don't work like that. Of course, there would have to be an extension for that. Uh, we debunked that pretty quickly. We got uh, Serial saying, has there been talk eternally about AEW and the BR app issues? Every pay-per-view, it gets worse. I haven't heard that, but I, I'm working to find out more. I'm sure Tony will talk about it at the Scrum. We'll have that info. Uh, NBA Mix Doc says, have you gotten any whispers for the card for Forbidden Door? Not a peep, unfortunately. I wish that I did. I wish that I did. Jam Beard said, or actually we read that one, or we read the one from Jeff, but um, we've got more on the, the MJF Wardlow match. Dr. Six Fingers says, I feel like 2022 has been mired with discussions of unhappy talent, starting with the New Year Eve, big soul situation, and I keep thinking of... Uh, Ngaku's uh, Twitter beef with TK in 2019 and this MJF situation. I'm not that familiar with that situation, but I mean, yes, uh, it, th the honeymoon period is over. And I think that's pretty evident, Julie. I think just to jump off of, off of that comment question in general, I was just having this conversation with someone either today or yesterday, not even just in AEW, but in the wrestling world. I feel like these past several months have been very chaotic everywhere, just in general, from CM Punk returning, Daniel Bryan jumping ship, Cody Rhodes jumping ship, the Sasha Naomi situation, the current MJF situation, Stephanie McMahon. Like, it's been a bonkers several past several months in the world of wrestling and i think you know it's it's difficult because ev it's everything at the end of the day everything is subjective and what one company doesn't have another company might be very strong in you know wwe being the machine that it is being the fact that it's so established um versus aew which um is much newer but it's not as limited in terms of uh, the PG programming and sort of that glamorized uh, Fox television presentation. It really depends on what you want and what you're looking for and sort of what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. And it, I, I think it's very interesting because I think we're seeing from both sides a little bit of the grass is greener mentality. Yeah. But, um, I and, mean, and booking Cody is very important. How they book yes. Cody and WWE is very I important agree. to recruiting people in the future. Absolutely. I agree. But it's just, it's interesting for me, you know, I think this, this particular comment was more um, directed towards the AEW side, but I think it's just the whole wrestling world in general. I think that there's been a lot going on everywhere amongst everybody, a lot of unhappiness and a lot of people, you know, flip-flopping their perspective on things. Van Twinblade says MJF played everyone. The boy lies on both the inhale and the exhale. I'm not even sure he uses aerobic respiration because he lies so damn much. I mean, Possible, but I reported on on things that happened and have been verified by multiple other people since. You won't find anything that we've reported uh, being debunked in this situation. Uh, some stupid punk says MJF is a phenomenal talent, but I don't know what he's doing right now. He has to be smart enough to know he's damaging or how damaging this is for his brand. Potentially. Uh, last night was our most watched live wrestling stream ever at 2 in the morning on Memorial Day weekend. Buzz controversy does create cash ultimately. That's and, true. That's and true. I don't I, think any of this is something that can't be overcome, regardless of who he's working. Regardless of you guys think he's trying to work me, Tony Khan, AEW, the boys, the fans, himself. I don't think that there's yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I guess Tony's going wild in the scrum. Somebody uh, tell me what's going on there. But Tony said, or Tony Carson says, is there a chance the blow up was due to longer term booking and MJF feeling like he was being buried because of contract issues? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of anything, any issues over booking specifically. Hey, what's that over there? Says if MJF does win the world title, it should be in Long Island. He should run out of the US or UBS arena, blow punk and Tony a kiss goodbye. I think there's an awful lot of heat in potentially doing something like that, but uh, man, like let's any again, anything's possible. Anything can be overcome. Joel Wood says, I don't think it's a work, but if it is, it's a bad look because you've worked the locker room and the fans at the meet and greet. Nobody will be able to trust anything you say. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't work fans like that at a, for a meet and greet that was paid for money and I wouldn't not show up for one regardless, but, uh, beyond that, we got Blind Cito saying, uh, Julie's new to me, but they seem pretty cool. Hi, new person. Hello, new person. <laughs> well, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently Tony Khan's going in on Eric Bischoff saying CM Punk didn't make any money for AEW. Oh, wow. All right. And Brian Miles, uh, or actually, we, we read that super chat as well. But some stupid punk says, I wanted to vent my anger over BR Live screwing up broadcast, then cutting feeds in the middle of the viewing. If you aren't on their time, the worst. It seemed like they really did fumble the bag tonight there. Uh, Jam Beard says, I feel like any matches that could have been cut from this pay-per-view on instead of TV would have been Kyler Riley and Darby or ATT and Kaz uh, plus Sammy and Ty. Yeah. Oh, I see. I love, I actually loved that match. I messaged, that was one of the matches. I think I messaged you SRS and I was like, this match is a work of art. (laughs) I was, I thought that was very entertaining. Uh, We had people saying maybe MJF is looking for a good VPN to use. Any suggestions? Yeah. uh, NordVPN.com slash Fightful is the one that I use. And I had people saying, well, you know what? It doesn't work on this thing and this thing change your location to Lithuania. You can do that when you change your virtual location with just one click with nordvpn.com slash Fightful. Right now you get 70% off your plan plus an additional month free and a 30-day money-back guarantee with nordvpn.com slash Fightful. Block online trackers, block annoying pop-up ads, block malware on the fastest VPN in the world. You can subscribe to overseas service that allow you to get pay-per-views at a uh, much cheaper price and helps you avoid some of those services that maybe don't work well. If you miss the WWE Network, you can subscribe to that via Canada. It is super handy. You guys are greatly going to appreciate it, uh, just like I do. You're going to end up saving money with the savings NordVPN provides you. I use this every single day. Check it out, nordvpn.com slash Fightful. Leonza says, AEW is turning into the real NXT 2.0. There's plenty of drama there, my friends. Oh, Shot, yes. Shot Kid said, the show delivered overall. Maybe I'm in the minority, but didn't have a problem with the overall booking. Well, let's get through it because, man, we got a lot to talk we about. We a lot to cover. <laughs> Young Bucks versus the Hardys. Caprice Coleman on commentary. I love Caprice Coleman on commentary. I thought as this match got later, it was better. Yes. But, man, the Hardys, they're showing their age. This was not the same match we saw five years ago. I think the the thing that I that I struggled with with this, I don't think it was a bad match by any means, but I think we've just seen so much from the Hardys and the Young Bucks, especially. I mean, the Young Bucks matches, like you know how quick 
quick the pace is for their matches. And the Hardys being the high flyers that they've historically been, I feel like it was easy to set your expectations very, very high for this match. And so I think just with historically both teams have done, I feel like they would have had to do something really groundbreaking in order to make this like a banger. And so, I mean, I don't think it was bad. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any real issues with it other than I think kind of what you said. I think, you know, in some cases, the Hardys are inevitably showing their age a little yeah. bit, but um, I didn't really have any fundamental issue with it. I just didn't think it was anything special considering what they can do, what they can and produce. It looked like uh, Jeff had issues with his boot and all that and kind of, it kind of slowed things down there, but the, the Hardys get the win. I think they're marching towards a title match. I really do. Honestly, I would love to see that. I would love to, I think, um, not to jump way ahead in the card, but just to, to bring up Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really quick. I think Jungle Boy especially is on another level, and that is a match that I would actually love to see. If the Hardys um, did pull out all of the stops for that match, I think that that could be a really top-tier match. We had Anna J, Jade Cargill. I thought this match did not hit at all. They were not on the same page. They weren't in the same book. It didn't work. Most of the headlines came after the match, but we'll talk about the match itself. Smart Mark Sterling tries to get involved. The baddies try to get involved. They're thwarted. So we'll talk more specifically the match itself before the people that popped up. I just didn't think this match hit right. It, and this is one I felt like could have been on Dynamite because it's the TBS title. I, I feel like this was one that felt like a last-minute addition because I felt like it was you know, AEW trying to get the TBS championship. And I feel like they did this at Revolution too. I feel like it was their way of getting this championship showcased on the pay-per-view, which is a great intention. However, I just feel like there wasn't enough buildup to the match to really make it worth being on the pay-per-view. I thought that um, the good thing, I think that Anna and Jade Cargill, um, I mean, Jade had a great entrance. They both had great gear. They looked like stars. Um, that's uh, you know, great for the women's division. You being in show business, you want people to look like stars, and they did. Um, I just feel like, in terms of the match itself, aside from all of the run-ins, the pace was a little slow. For it was just a little sloppy for me in terms of the pacing and in terms of, um, you know, the the ring work itself. Um, and then the run-ins were kind of interesting because I, I don't mind like crazy booking. I'm one of those people where I like really chaotic booking. I think that that's kind of fun and entertaining, but this was a lot for me in terms of the run-ins. Yeah. I think it was, it wasn't until Athena came out where I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, so, I'll do this one. <laughs> so it went baddies. So there's two smart Mark. There's three. But then we got the debut of Stokely Hathaway. Yes. And I had people in AEW telling me they were hoping that he would kind of jump ship a while back. Like they were, they, that Jade Cargill was kind of like a Stokely dream client back then, but he ended up hanging out in, in WWE and they wanted to keep him. WWE wanted to keep him bad. And he was like, no, it's not for me. Well, he's here and, I'm so happy. I got chills. This guy is so talented. He's going to help so many people. Stokely is a major get, especially on the manager end of things, because while I love how well, uh, how much AEW uses managers, 
Jake's been hit or miss. Vicky's been hit. Vicky's been a big miss. Um, we've got a lot of people that are like Chavo. He wasn't, he didn't hang around. Tully isn't still there. So there's a lot more room for Stokely Hathaway now. And he is perfect with the baddies, with his personality, with his acumen, with his, he's so good at this. I, I love the addition of Stokely Hathaway. I agree. I think he's a great fit for what they're doing specifically. Um, I think for me, just with the number of run-ins, it was for, and coming from me, this is saying a lot, just the number of people by the time he came out, I was just kind of like, wait a second. Like, I almost wish that they had made that a little bit more impactful in some way, as opposed to being like such a series of people. Um, I think I felt like the most impactful person that they had come out was when Athena made her entrance. But I do think generally speaking, he's going to be a great addition to what they're trying to do. And then it'll be interesting to see how they utilize Mark Sterling now that he's kind of being absolved of that role. I mean, I think that he's a creative genius in, in that type of role as well. And so I'm curious to see, you know, if he sticks around who they're going to pair him with and what he's going to do next. Athena joins AEW. I, I reported a while back that they had some, some conversations, but Daniel R says all Stokely Hathaway thoughts, please. What's next? Oh, I think that Jade says, okay, you can still be my attorney, Mark, but he's my manager, but some stupid punk says, uh, super glad to finally see Athena in AEW. James says so glad she's in been a long time waiting a much needed injection. And, um, JB says, had a hell of a time with this pay-per-view. Not crazy about the title match, but after Stokely and Athena, I wasn't in a complaining mood. Also, welcome, Julie. So let's talk about Athena. It's always good when you can get a ring general like Athena. Um, I had mentioned that she was managed by the same person or maybe agented by the same person that that uh, Cesaro and Mia Yim were, and she had been very picky about her bookings. She had been wrestling 15, 30, 35-minute matches at, on the indies against like Thunder Rosa and Swerve and Taya Valkyrie and a lot of these talent. And then she was wrestling people like Sky Blue and Janai Kai who weren't as experienced. So both into those spectrum, both ends of that spectrum there. I love that they brought her in. She has signed officially with the company, as has Stokely. She got the all elite graphic, so did so did Stokely. Wonderful addition. You need more ring generals. I completely agree with that. And I hope that now that she is with the company, I think she's a phenomenal addition to the women's division, especially. I think any growth that they can get, any veterans that they can get in that women's division is great for the company. I really hope that the way that she is booked in the future reflects her incredible level of experience because I think she's a really big get for them. I think she's a good fit for sort of the the image that AEW has. I just felt like when she came out on, on stage tonight, she just looked like she belonged there. She felt like a natural there. It felt like a good fit for her. So I just really hope that moving forward, her booking, um, the way that they book her, I hope that they're smart about it and I hope that it treats her well. Yeah, I'm very excited to see this match specifically. Jambeard says, get Sunny Kiss in the baddies. It needs to happen oh, already. Yeah. I would love that. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, he's done a lot of things on social media. 
with them. I feel like they've done a lot of like little TikTok videos and things like that. So I think Sunny Sunny Kiss would be a really natural fit there and also a great way to get Sunny Kiss back on TV more. Jambeard asks if I'm surprised there was nothing from New Japan tonight, no hints or debuts or anything. Not after seeing how slammed this card was. I would expect to see that almost immediately. But uh, from the scrum, uh, Punk says that he would like to face uh, Okada, Tanahashi, or Osprey. Oh, I would love. I'm I'm very excited for uh, Forbidden Door to see who Osprey is going to face because I feel like he is very highly regarded as one of the best in the world. It'd be kind of cool to see you know someone who's highly regarded as the best in the world right now versus CM Punk, you know, mm. best in the world gimmick. Um, that could be interesting. I w- I'd also like to see Will Osprey against someone. Mm who is um, maybe a little bit more fresh in their career, maybe a little bit more high flying. Um, I think he's got a lot of good options. So, I mean, that's going to be another, another show to look forward to, but he's, we've got good options for sure. Clyde says, I truly believe MJF has worked himself into a shoot with his heel persona. He's made his griefs with his contract known to certain people. Now there, there's this flight minutes from him no-showing FanFest. It was booked minutes before he no-showed FanFest. It was uh, scheduled to fly out 11 p.m. So <laughs> here's a funny story. Last night, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, all right, 11.15. I'm about to get this info. And then I realized that flight's Pacific time. I got three more hours to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, ah, damn it. Damn it. Um Man, that was that was a, a hard wait too. Rob Sykes says that uh, BR Live has been a consistent issue. They've had several issues with Revolution or Double or Nothing. I, I mean, ultimately, they are sort of at the mercy of of that platform because they've got the deal with Warner Media. Hopefully, something else better happens. George says, for U.S. fans, it went long due to basketball. It built people complaining for the sake of it. As someone from the U.K., I thought it built brilliantly. To me, if I'm if I'm them, I don't give a damn about basketball. People paid fifty <laughs> bucks for this pay per view. Right. Um, we got Daniel saying the show was crazy. Championship matches were great. Stokely Anarchy were great. The ending was a bit unexpected with no complete turn either way. Maybe FTR instead of a mixed tag, but a great, albeit long show. I I think that the show really picked up the last. Uh, I do too. The last couple hours, really. Um, there were, there were a couple matches kind of in the middle there that I thought were surprisingly entertaining. Some that I wasn't necessarily expecting to be. I actually really liked that. I know I feel like the mixed tags gotten knocked a little bit. I I thought that was a really fun match. Um that was that was one that really caught my attention. Um I was glad to see that there were a num- a good number of women's matches on the show. I feel feel like the women's matches picked up in momentum as the show went along as well. Um so I mean overall like we said I feel like there were a couple of things that probably didn't need to be on the pay-per-view just in terms of saving time. But overall like I thought it was a pretty solid card and I do think it it picked up as it went along. Uh James Stalling says, Athena looked so happy. I'm glad for her. She did. She looked she very did. happy. I feel like she looked like she belonged there when she came out. And the crowd reaction that she got, too, was great. Well, um, she looked a lot happier than Julia Black. Heart, that is. Oh. Oh, Ooh, how about that, that one? That how about was, that one? That was a moment that... um 
that match, I was another one kind of in the middle there that I feel like um, really picked up the momentum of the show. Um, House of House of Black. I mean, you can't go wrong with a death triangle match, to be honest. I just think that they're all brilliant. I saw something. It might have been something that you shared um, recently, Sean, about um, House of Black kind of feeling like we could be the next big thing in wrestling. I thought that that was a very strong match. I know that um, this kind of slow burn storyline with Julia Hart has gotten quite a bit of criticism that I've seen online over the past several months, but I feel like the way that they incorporated her into this match was like the perfect way to make it work. I know um, there was a a segment that they had done a couple of weeks ago where a lot of people were critiquing it online. And I almost feel like it got more harsh criticism than I, I really would have expected. Um, but I feel like that was just like the chef's kiss way to sort of make it all work. Well, this match uh, ended with the lights off lights on Julia Hart. Uh, the, the Julia Blackheart thing was a uh, uh, Luis. Luis deserves credit for that because he typed it in the chat and I accidentally read it and it just stuck. So there's your credit, Luis. I hope you're happy, buddy. You're getting double pay tonight. So enjoy it. But Anthony says, finally glad to see Julia with the house of black, which they built to the moment better than what we got, but I'm eager to see what she adds to the group. It did build. It was, it was the, the right time to do it, I think, but I feel this is another match. I feel like it could have happened on Rampage, and I feel like if they put some of this stuff from this pay per view on Dynamite and Rampage, it would have just built the week so much. People are like, "Oh my God!" Here's well, they couldn't have put Stokely on anything else because his non compete was up this week. Yeah. But like <laughs> Athena could have debuted, and then it's like, "Oh my God!" Here comes uh, Julia Hart. Like I just think that they could have done that, and it hyped up and made every show feel like like they couldn't miss it. But Tempo says he loved the uh, House of Black Death Triangle Trios match. Would wish it would have been built uh, better built to including Julia Hart had they been able to do it at Revolution like they attended. But Phoenix being injured made them push it back and beat Fuego up for a few weeks. That is another good point. Like they couldn't have possibly predicted that that horrible thing happened to Ray Phoenix. I also quick question for you, SRS, because you probably have better insight into this than I do. I don't know that Julia Hart is officially like if she ever got her all elite graphic. She never did. She, she never did. Officially on the roster page. I don't think she's on the if you go online on yeah. the WWE site, if she's on their she's official not. roster page. I'm wondering at what point if they're going to incorporate her. I mean, they've been incorporating her into this story for quite some time and now that she's kind of formally a part of house of black what is i kind of wonder what the contract situation is in terms of well, her being technically on the roster yeah she doesn't have a graphic she's not officially listed on their their roster i mean diamante isn't either though and she's been working yeah, there for Sierra three years Hogan? yeah i mean there's a, lot, yeah. a number of people that are kind of they're I don't know if what their contract situation is if they're kind of signed to sort of a part-time deal because yeah. it's kind of like they're somewhat referenced as AEW professional wrestlers, but they're not on the site. They're not, they don't have the official graphics. So I'm kind of like, where is that line? When do you decide? I mean, I think Red Velvet was like that for a while too before she sort of formally got signed. There was sort of like this in-between status that some of the talent seemed to have. 
Daniel says we need to go back to two or three things on Rampage. I love that they jam a lot into Rampage because it feels like nonstop. I love that. I remember when Raw was one hour back in the 90s, and they would just cram shit in there, and I loved it. Nathan says, Julie was a cheerleader but graduated and is now an evil paralegal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, what's that over there? Says Tony should really put the trio's titles on the House of Black instead of waiting for Kenny to be back. Well, as we're going to talk to, we're going to lean into the Owen Hart stuff shortly. Do I do I agree with how those two matches were booked? No, but I do always subscribe, almost always subscribe to the belief that a big tournament or title should be put on a main event act first. That way you set the tone. Cody Rhodes with the TNT title, the Elite or the Undisputed Era with the, the trios, and you got Cole and Britt with the Owen even though maybe I don't agree with how how that was booked. We got Brent saying, I know the feud's been going on a while, but I feel like there are so many House of Black Death Triangle singles matches that we all need. Buddy Murphy against anybody, please, or Buddy Matthews. Really? Um, I also think, I find it so interesting. This is just a quick side note about Buddy Matthews. I find it so interesting. He has one of like the most incredible physiques that I think exists in wrestling right now i can't believe he was a cruiserweight i know he's he's mentioned that in previous interviews that i mean the way that he's proportioned he is such an incredible physique and he was you know he was on 205 live for quite some time so i just think he is um his his build is incredible uh well brody king joseph snurk says absolute madman he was a star of that match he even made light of his of his failed flip attempt uh, he landed on the ring apron. That did not go well. Uh, it did not go well, but good on him for having a sense of humor about it. There are going to be some people that do not have a sense of humor <laughs> about the uh, the Owen Hart Foundation tournament uh, winners. Adam Cole defeated Samoa Joe. Dr. Britt Baker defeated Ruby Soho. And then we got Dr. Martha Hart speaking. That was that was cool. We've not really cool. seen that, and that was very cool. But Cole and Britt Baker, uh, I had mentioned on the, the prediction show with Andrea Hanks, I could kind of see the couple winning this. The power couple. They came out wearing that pink and black. Neither one of these matches really blew me away, but I don't know if in the spot they were put in, they were they were supposed to. But still then, I feel like in this type of tournament, you should condition fans to expect like a blowout awesome match type of thing. How did you feel about these? Cause I feel like we can kind of discuss uh, both of these. So I feel similarly for the, for Adam Cole and Samoa Joe, I kind of have a similar feeling about this as I did with the young bucks and the Hardys where, I mean, you know that these guys can put on incredible matches. And so I feel like, and again, I don't, I didn't have any, issue with the match that they put on I didn't think it was it was bad by any means there was I didn't have any problems with it I just feel like and again I don't know if it was the amount of time or the place in the car there might have been a number of factors I just feel like in order for it to be really special they had to really pull out something different just because they're both so talented and they've both done so much that it really takes you know, they could easily put on a good match. It really yeah. just takes that extra little something to make it like over the top special. For the women's match, I I was a little bit more invested in the women's match just because we've seen Brit and Ruby Soho um, butt heads in the past. And this one I felt a little, I thought it was a good match. I really liked um, 
Ruby Soho. There were there were a couple of moments in the match that I thought were really special. Her shotgun love, drop kick. I love the entrances too. I love yeah, Rancid I playing her out, and then that was uh, great. the Fozzy guitars playing out Britt Baker. It was like it was like a, an entrance battle, and I loved yes. it. It made them both look like big stars. It did, and they and they both they both looked great. I thought Britt looked like such a star tonight. Her gear. Shout out to the AEW Glam team for absolutely slaying that look. Um, but I, I liked the match that they put on. I thought they had some good moments. The only issue that I had with that match, I, I understand Brit winning. I was glad that the power couple got their moment, um, to win the tournament together. I think the hard thing for me is I want Ruby Soho to have a moment too. And I feel like she hasn't quite gotten her special moment in AEW yet. And she's such a vet. She, she makes everybody that she wrestles with look good. And I think she deserves that special moment. I the reason I wanted her to win this is because I didn't want her to fall into always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Exactly. Exactly. Right right now is Thunder Rose's time with the, the world title. To me, the TBS title is a TBD thing whenever the right person comes along. I you, agree. Yeah, you you go with them. And then Britt wins this. So I don't want this to be like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. The sharpshooter looked bad too. Sharpshooters had a rough go of it tonight. Um, I was, was, I was kind of surprised by that too. It almost took me a minute, and I think part of it too was they're, you know, trying to sell her injury in the way that she was executing it. Um, but it almost took me a second to kind of like register what was going on because I was like, "That's a really strange execution of the sharpshooter." But then on commentary, they were kind of referencing. You know, oh, she's having a hard time, you know, keeping the submission on because of. So I was like, okay, well, you know, she's trying to trying to give Britain out, which makes sense. But um, yeah, I felt the same way. I, I'm good with Brit winning. I just want Ruby Soho. I don't want her to get lost in the shuffle because I feel like her coming to AEW was a really special moment. And she is so experienced. She's such a vet that she makes everybody that she performs with look really good. And I just feel like she deserves to have her time to shine. I hope that that does come, you know, sooner rather than, Me too. than later. Um, and I mean, they did kind of sacrifice the possibility of women's tag titles for a while for the TBS title. Yes. So um, <clears throat> I feel like Ruby could probably have benefited there. We have uh, near Ravel saying thoughts on Soho Brit. Could the outcome be changed? The reaction Soho got on rampage. They definitely wanted Statlander to win on on Rampage, and that surprised me a bit. But that surprised me too a little bit, actually. I mean, I I kind of didn't think that Statlander against Britt Baker. I mean, neither matchup is totally fresh, but I feel mm -hmm. like Chris versus Britt would have felt more repetitive to me. I think Britt or Statlander's work since she joined. Uh, or she since she came back has been incredible too. I do too. I love this change for her. Brent says, just absolute punk legends playing Ruby to the ring. No big deal. <laughs> that was awesome. That was pretty awesome. It took me, I was very surprised actually, because that's not, um, that's not a new, I mean, I think for a lot of wrestling fans that aren't familiar with, you know, the Ru Ruby Soho, the song, don't realize yeah. how long that song has actually been around. Oh for. yeah. So that was actually very cool that they were there live to play her out. That was like a nice throwback. We got N Simmons saying, unless AEW has signed certain wrestling couple to feud with Cole and Britt, I can't get behind Ruby not winning this. She really needs a big win. Uh, obviously, you're implying Gargano and Candice. 
I mean, who knows if and when Candace will be ready, uh, but yeah. huh, I I don't know. I mean, I think you can build them as an on-screen couple, but right now Adam Cole's got the elite thing going on, so I don't know if that's necessarily in the cards right now. I do also think, quick side note, I mean, I don't necessarily think that that's like the most immediate thing in the cards, but I do feel like there are, you know, other wrestling couple, even if it's, you know, not Johnny and Candace wrestling, I think that there's some other wrestling couples within AEW that if they wanted to build up that kind of couple versus couple storyline somewhere down the line, they, they probably could with people that they have already. So uh, we got some notes from the, the scrum. Tony Khan mentioned talking to Cody about uh, how he was a big fan of Stokely Hathaway and he just wants him to be Stokely Hathaway, knows his work. Um, and Jade says that Stokely is the best talker in the game and thinks that Tony Khan made a great decision with this and uh, said that his non-compete uh, was up yesterday and didn't meet with him until today to make this happen. Uh, that's that's wild. Uh, I, I can tell you guys, I mean, I know a lot of people go, oh, sure. Uh, they didn't get Jeff Hardy's travel to him until the morning of uh, his non-compete being up. Oh, wow. Just wild. Uh, Aaron Alvarado, speaking of Jeff Hardy, says, not going to lie, one of my favorite gimmicks of all time is either Antichrist, Jeff, or Willow, but I'm a TNA mark, but he's definitely on his last legs. As long as Jeff can stand on, a, on an item very high and <laughs> lean over and just... Uh, but Daniel says, loved Adam Cole's reaction to getting the belt genuine. So that's yeah. a really great part of this and let, let's read some super chats before that hey what's that over there says adam cole and Britt are definitely facing johnny and candace next time they're in cleveland but adriac says found myself defending the owens women booking a lot in the last week last few weeks and i feel like a moron now what a wet fart of an ending hated it i i can understand that but one thing i thought was a great feel-good moment was martha hart out there talking now for right. a long time Quite frankly, we got the WWE narrative about Martha Hart, like that she was this bitter woman who just didn't want didn't want to be around wrestling. As it turns out, no, she just hates WWE and didn't want her husband's legacy tied to the company that she feels may have enabled her his death. And she came out and she gave this great speech. And Brent says she was so happy she danced off the stage. That was incredible. Uh, that was very emotional to see. Uh, How'd you feel about, about Martha popping up? I thought I, I wanted to jump off really quickly. Um, just mentioning Adam Cole's reaction to getting the belt. And I felt like I saw this in yeah. Britt Baker too, because we've seen Britt Baker really lean into this heel character over, you know, the course of the past, you don't know, year and a half, these past many, many months. And, you know, we saw at the end of her match, even her extending a hand to Ruby Soho and um, just, the reactions from both of them um, when they were up on the stage with Martha Hart, you could tell that it was kind of a moment for everyone to step back a little bit out of character and, and just kind of give Martha her moment and really be present and be appreciative of, of what was happening um, with them in that, in that current moment. And so it was really nice to be able to see, um, the, the interaction with Martha and Tony as well. It seemed like they were having a really, yeah. you know, emotional, genuine interaction there. You, you can and tell so, how proud Tony was that this could. came together. Like he yes. was very clearly very proud of that. Yes. And I, and I think you could see that, you know, with everyone. I think um, 
you know, it was it was kind of a second for everyone to step out of step a little bit out of kayfabe and just, you know, give her her moment to to talk about her husband and to honor her husband. And um, I'm excited to see how this continues. This relationship continues to unfold in the future, because this is this is something that we haven't you know really seen in the wrestling world in in many years until um this relationship between the Hart family and AEW was established and so um it's you know good to see you know this honor go in the hands of good talent this first time around and I get sky's the limit from here. I just I do wish I, I I'm just really wishing that Ruby would have had that moment. But Ryan says my only criticism of tonight is the tournament and lack of o- celebration of Owen himself. Keep up the good work, guys. I thought that Martha's speech was was pretty good, and that that helped out an awful lot. That was, yes, that I was, was glad a that they moment. gave her that opportunity to talk and, and really explain the significance of, yeah. of what was happening. That was that was very well done on AEW's part. Uh, Nathan says, "Unfortunately, this will be the last AEW pay per view I will have ordered." The normal four-hour pay-per-view is too long to begin with, but four and a half is outrageous. Understandable. I will say the good thing, at, for, from my perspective, at, at least the fact that it is a long pay-per-view, at least you, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth. That is that is one way that I will flip it to say um, it's a, a positive for the, the buyer and the viewer. Well, I did not see the next match as a positive. Uh, it was a six-person tag ATT against, uh, or it was against Kazarian, Guevara, and Ty Conti. I posted a tweet and I was like, Paige Van Zant looked really green. I had people saying, oh, it's our first match. It's pay-per-view. You don't have to put her first match on pay-per-view. Although, uh, shout out to our friend Righteous Reg, who did the theme song for Paige Van Zant. I just felt like there was a lot. There's a lot of work to be done, and people go, "It was her first match." You're, I have, go ahead. Sorry, that's okay. I don't mean to cut you off. I have I have mixed feelings about it because I mean I think with Paige Van Zant, it's a little bit different than most people because of who she is and because of the mainstream connection that she has and because of the fact that she's a natural fighter. Um, yeah. I know that she had been training, I believe with uh Gangrel. It was with Gangrel and Florida. people, people out of that school even kind of gave me the heads up or, or gave somebody I knew the heads up and said, she's not quite ready yet. She yeah. Definitely, I mean, I could she definitely, definitely isn't an, an, it's not like, Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle right. type of just bing, light bulb, got it. Right. Um, I mean, there's definitely things, you know, that I could critique in her performance. I feel like there were some things that I thought that she did well. There were definitely some um, things that I would critique, not even just relating to her in-ring ability, but just certain things in terms of like uh, little details, like with the taunting and um, like adjusting her gear and things like that, just little things that, um, as a as a pro, um, you want to kind of just monitor how much you're doing those things and how those things really look to an audience, um, and the timing of those things and and things of that nature. But as a whole, I actually found this match really. And maybe I'm in a minority here, but I I tend to like crazy booking and so i thought that this this match was interesting in the sense that 
Um, I feel like the people that they have walking out of the baby face and the heel entrances are backwards right now. I mean, Sammy and Ty together, I think, are the perfect heel couple in the sense that, I mean, I, I love how hateable they are. I think that them leaning into that is creative genius because... I mean, we all know the controversy that came out on the internet when they first got together. And the fact that they're milking that um, for TV, I think is brilliant. And the fact that that came into play in the match and kind of screwed up parts of the match. But they, they weren't even going to do that. They had to, they were forced into that, though. Right. They were forced into that. Um, Dr. Six Fingers says Ty's Take Conti's mat, last match of 2021 was an incredible street fight. Now she's reduced to a joke couple. From winning most improved to being a damsel in distress, thank God this feud is over. Well, I'll say thank God the feud is over, but different points of your career will have different roles. And, I mean, maybe a year down the line, she's a singles champion or something. Anything can happen. I think she's improved tremendous, even in, even in um, this match. I mean, I think Ty Conti is another example of someone. Um, I mean, I know she's a we've, – we've mentioned before she's a black belt in judo. judo? Uh, um, yeah. I hope I have that correct. Um, and you can see in her style that she's sort of like a natural fighter. Um, I I actually really like her as a heel because I feel like as a baby face, you know, she comes out to the ring and she does the little dancing and it's kind of like anyone can do that. Like, that's great. But I feel like her owning her heel persona could really unlock something big for her. And the thing for me is American Top Team. I mean, I thought originally that they were very easily dislikable when Ethan Page came on the scene I thought he was annoying to be to be quite frank but I feel like Sammy and Ty made them look like great baby faces so I just thought it was interesting that you know the original presentation I don't think was really meant to be that way but that's kind of the way that it came across to me was you know, how are the how's American top team? How are they supposed to be the heels when you have this couple here that's like super hateable in like the best way possible for TV? Um, I just I thought that that was that was interesting. I, I like what they did there in terms of entertainment value playing off of each other during that match. But I'm someone that likes a lot of that sort of crazy stuff. So to each their own. Matt says, hope everyone in the crowd is wearing fancy hats at the next Double or Nothing. I think that was in reference to uh, Martha uh, as well. It was it was very nice. But Joseph says, Paige's moves themselves were solid. The transitions between them were rough. That's the thing. And those are the things you got to pick up. You can be able to execute any all the moves you want, but it's, you got to be able to know where to be in certain times. Uh, probable call says, where was the, she's just starting energy for Jade. Her first couple of matches, folks are always on the picky choosy side of the game. There was absolutely plenty of that. There were, there was plenty of that that I saw. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I I love about Jade. I mean, she looks like a star from day one. Um, she has an incredible, I mean, there's a lot of positives that I could say for a lot of these people right off the bat for sure. (laughs) Uh, NBA Mixed Doc said that she hit the nastiest Michinoku driver. And hey, what's that over there? Says Sammy and Ty should be going for the ROH titles. They got plenty of titles to choose from there. So I guess we're going to see how that works out. Uh, Joel says, I don't mind the pay-per-view, but I'm not ordering any more live shows. We complained about long WrestleManias for years. We didn't finally get them to do two nights so AEW could take over marathon shows. Even then, this is still two hours shorter 
than WrestleMania used to be. Uh, Tony Tony Khan said at the scrum that this is the record for uh, double or nothing, uh, double or nothing uh, buys that they've done. He said that Dana White was the king of uh, pay-per-view and says Punk Hangman went on earlier than UFC main events. I mean, they start their walkouts at, at midnight as well, midnight Eastern, but he believes people will watch this show over and over. Uh, he says there was a 28% chance of Game 7 going up against Double or Nothing when they booked it, and they do better on Sunday, so they took the chance, but that 28% came up, and they still did the record. Uh, they did late buys, and that was a part of the strategy. Uh, but he also says that, uh, again, he reiterates it's, it's the record, and uh, he said that the Cody elevator uh, entrance cost a ton of money, but they still broke it out for Jade Cargill. Good news there. I'm glad they did that for Jade. It makes her look like a star. But Jade says that she wants to get into Sports Illustrated's body issue, wants to do a catwalk with the belt as well. But uh, yeah, lots of news and notes coming from the scrums. Again, Denise will have full videos up there uh, soon. Uh, Jericho is now at the scrum as well. That's going to be a fun one to talk about. Oh, but yes. Oh my God. Anarchy in the arena. I don't even know where SRS. I was going to let you take the lead on this one. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We still got a couple. We still got a, uh, got a couple to talk about now. Anthony says good pay-per-view. Some things I really enjoyed other stuff. I didn't like, but I'll say the pay-per-view was way too long. and probably could have done without some of the matches. I agree, but we could do with your super chats and humper chats, uh, super chats. If you're watching live on youtube.com slash fightful, uh, you can get your question or statement read on the air. You can also head over to humperchats.com. The benefit of humperchats.com, besides its awesome name, is that you can leave them before the show goes on the air. You can leave them in the morning, whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, get your question or statement in. But we got James Barr saying TK seemed really riled up at the press scrum. Is that part of, uh, is part of this losing MJF throws a lot of his booking out? Punk getting the belt seemed like a natural progression uh, to getting the belt on MJF. Hope they patch it up. I hope they patch it up too. Or I hope that it had already been patched up long ago. I can't speak to that. I don't know. I don't know how their relationship is right now. I don't know what might bother Tony or not bother Tony at any particular point. So I can't really speak for somebody then. I would imagine he's going to be asked about it at the scrum. And I can tell you that there are half a dozen people at that scrum who uh, have physically seen the flight information and all that stuff. So they're, they're very aware of it, but he was getting fired up during the punk thing about Eric Bischoff saying that CM Punk didn't make money for AEW, which he was very colorful about. Oh man. Up next, Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen. This was a killer of a match. And to me, uh, Julie, this is where the pay-per-view picked up. And this, honestly, was a match that could have been on Rampage or Dynamite, but what a match it was. Darby's bleeding early on, but Kyle gets the win. They went balls to the wall, and I think that pace had to step up right here. Yes. I mean, I think this was another example for me of, again, a couple of guys that if you put them in the ring together, there's really, they're both, I mean, Kyle O'Reilly, he's just an absolute pro. I think that he could put on a good match with a lot of people. And Darby being one of the four 
pillar is one of these these young guys that's become such an integral part of AEW. I mean, I think you put the two of them in the ring together and you're guaranteed to have something pretty good right off the bat. Um, I agree with what you said. I think that they both really pulled out all the stops for this match. I was surprised um, with Darby bleeding early on. I did notice it seemed like this pay-per-view had a lot of people um, bleeding yeah, well, uh, I don't. I don't know if that one was I don't know, um, and it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a you know strategic blade job sort of bleeding. It was just yeah, kind it just of a weird coincidental sort of thing. Um, but I thought, um, you know, this match, I definitely felt like the pace of the pay per view started to pick up because I feel like, as we had mentioned before, there were a couple of um, particularly like some of the singles matches kind of right in the middle there that were were good there there wasn't any fundamental problem with them but they weren't anything spectacular whereas i feel like this one was like okay we're on pay-per-view now we're gonna step it up and we're gonna do something that's a little bit more special well this match kicked ass it was so good kyle o'reilly got the win and i was a bit surprised by that because i mean darby is sort of higher up on the food chain and kyle o'reilly is a tag team wrestler were you surprised that, that Kyle ended up winning? I was, I don't know if I was surprised. I think it was good for him. I mm -hmm. think the thing with Darby being that he's been in AEW since the beginning, being that he is one of the four pillars of the company, he has had some, some good big moments so far. Um, and I think the thing with Kyle O'Reilly is I think this was a good moment for him to look special as a singles wrestler and not get too lost in being part of a tag team. I think that this was a good opportunity, especially because he's newer to the company and, you know, showing up, everybody knows him from, you know, mostly, I mean, you might know his work from years beforehand, but, you know, most people are going to know him from the Undisputed Era. So I feel like this is a good opportunity to give him a moment and not allow him to get too lost in like the tag team shuffle, especially behind guys like Adam Cole, who um, has had more singles opportunities. And then obviously he had his big win tonight. Um, it's, you know, with the amount of experience that he has, I think it was just good to kind of let him break out a little bit from getting lost in the shuffle. Thought this uh, worked out extremely well. Z Lifestyle says, Sean, thank you for the great work keeping on the pulse of the MJF chaos last month. Us real wrestling news junkies appreciate you. Julie, great job with the hot takes. Celtics to the finals. I mean, I, <laughs> I know I've said this many times. I know I've said this many times. I'm going to pay a lot more attention to the positive because there are, there are just some people in this situation. They will never be pleased by any anything or any work that we do. So I'll focus a lot more on the positive and uh, there's a lot of positive at FightfulSelect.com. If you guys like getting your questions or statements answered, I do a Q&A show every week. We've got exclusive news there every day. We've got over eight shows. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. Quite honestly, I think uh, we pump out probably about 70, 80% of the, the exclusive wrestling news these days. So uh, check us out over there. Aaron Alvarado says, as soon as MJF walked out, to me, he looked done. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And tried to mask it with his heel work, but there was a difference. His heart isn't with AEW anymore. I felt like that based on conversations I've had with people uh, near him, around him, and to him over the past couple of months. Because when I would hear like, oh, well, you're going to get this offer, I'm sure. It's like, well, maybe that's not enough. Well, what is? Who knows? You can only, only that person can sort of answer that. Joel says, pay-per-view was fire. I want Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door. Dan Housen and Toro Yano, please. That, that could be, or Dan Housen, yeah, and Toro Yano, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be great. Hey, what's that over there? It says, Darby's biggest moment will come when AEW debuts in Seattle. It could. I mean, he's going to get an incredible ovation there, for sure. Our friend Coxhead so it just came to the YouTube uh, on YouTube download the review, so I can listen to work, and it's still live over 7 a.m. in the UK. Times, you guys. Hope it was a good show. It's 2:09 a.m. Eastern, and uh, this show was going much faster than I had anticipated. But let's keep it rolling on. Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa had a humper of a match. Holy cow. This was incredible. This was a clinic. This is one of the best uh, tight matches, especially when you had. I was about to say they held the pacing of the match. Um, so they introduced each other. Um, I mean, they're, they're both just veterans, absolute pros. And that, so, that came through from mm. the very first lockup between the two of them, just the, the pace that they kept, um, the way in which they count would counter each other's moves and escape each other's moves. They were just absolute technicians in there. Um, and I think I wasn't a hundred percent sure, um, what to expect from this match, just from the storytelling piece of it. I mean, I knew from a wrestling aspect, I knew, what both these women were capable of. But um, as soon as they got in the ring together, well, number one, they, again, both women looked like stars tonight. Um, the gear and the way that they presented themselves, I thought was a great look for the women's division. Um, and man, Serena Deeb, she is just number one. She's absolutely jacked. And number two, she is just a technician in there. Oh my goodness. I am, um, I mean, the the beginning the submission moves that um the that they did kind of a sequence at the beginning of the match of of submission holds and just her s- strength for being um you R- know. Rosa and Deeb always have intent with their strikes with their yeah. submissions with their transitions it always seems it's like they're clean. trying to either hurt the person or win exactly it's clean like I think some people. Um, some people who are newer in the business, I think sometimes you can kind of tell that they struggle with their pacing or um, just with their 
placement of their bodies in in certain um, sequences. And the two of them absolutely know exactly where they're going to be at every second. And you can see that. And having the two of them together, both on that level, working together was just absolute gold. Loved it. Uh, guys, we see the lag. We know that there's lag there. Spamming the chat doesn't help. We're, we're very aware. Uh, refresh the feed. It should be fine. Uh, we're doing what we can, but there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot we can do to fix it. Uh, Aaron says, they finally did the Julia Hart turn. I can yes. rest. Well, hey, what's that over there? Says, after this match, I'd love to see Rosa versus Banks or Rosa versus anyone from stardom at Forbidden Door. Well, you ain't getting Banks. I'm sorry, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I don't think stardom is slated to be a part of Forbidden Door. JB Love says, Rosa indeed put on an international wrestling women's clinic. It was so incredible. Too. I think so, too. Uh, good, the, good for AEW because that took elevated the whole women's division that took the women's division to the next level that showing and this match was just so good just so so good and it was it was the kind of match that they needed to have after a lot of the bad promos that led up to this i wish the build would have been a lot better but I this match too. absolutely delivered they absolutely killed it this is one of the best women's titles matches ever thunder rosa needed to have this type of match because if, if you don't immediately step in and start having crazy promos, matches, et cetera, people will start to declare your, your reign like just as a failure. And I, I think that this was the kind of match that they needed to have. It was very important. I think so, too. Brian Bayless says, has MJF ever asked for his release? I've never been told that, but I don't know that for sure. Um, who do you see Thunder Rosa moving on to next? Oh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of who is in the women's division right now, who's sort of top tier, who could use, like, who would be a believable contender to be champion? Um, I mean, Chris Statlander with her new... But she look. just lost. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm, I, I also feel like I need to see the ranking. I'm, I feel like I need to see the rankings in order to maybe get some ideas. But I mean, Serena's one, Nyla's two. Nyla just had her match. Anna Jay is three, and they just lost their right. match. Tony Storm is four, and she just got beat by Britt. Yeah, and then Chris. So I, I feel like they should do like a battle royal or some sort of thing to determine that. I was gonna say. I mean, I feel like the people that I'm interested in seeing Chris Statlander with sort of her new look, new persona. She's, um killing it just in terms of of this presentation i think that this is going to help take her to the next level tony storm being relevant i want to see tony storm do so much oh my goodness i mean uh tony storm and thunder rose that would be a lot of fun ruby soho getting a moment eventually would be great athena is in the mix now i don't know if they're gonna how you know quickly they're gonna push her into either of these um title pictures i mean i guess now right now they're probably pushing her more towards uh Dade cargill and and the baddies and doing something there but you know there's a handful of people that just from the perspective of a fan i'm like i would love to see them have a match let's go joel wood says just saw tony scrum comments as the executive of a pro wrestling company now imagine nick Khan gets up on a media call and goes off like this or vince i know he's fired up but that's a lot joel imagine Vince McMahon gets on TV and drops an N-bomb because that's happened in the past. Um, for people like this, it is what they deem professional. And if they set the standards for professionalism, 
and Warner Discovery don't have an issue. Well, there you go. Hey, what's that over there? Says maybe Deanna or and or in a perfect way, Smiley Kylie Ray. I I don't know if I don't know if Kylie is opposed to coming back to AEW or not. I know there were people that had hoped a couple years ago that she would, but I know they'd like to get Deanna. I just don't know how realistic that would be. I did like that they they did a little collaboration a couple weeks ago where they yeah. were able to get to yeah i thought that that was that was awesome um she's another person too who um i definitely like to see more of just in in general i think that she's capable of so much eddie uribe says fantastic match between deeb and thunder rosa constant reminder wwe had serena deeb only to be trained as underwear models uh how to wrist lock instead of uh wrestling and gave thunder rosa a trial as a referee double fail on them yeah thunder rosa Decided to not go to that because it, I think there were there was some weather that prevented it, but it ended up being like the best thing. Uh, Chris says, going to have to turn in because I got work in a couple hours. Wanted to thank you for all the hard work and say that Julie is killing it. She's really, or he's really enjoying thank your perspective. You so oh, you're doing, Julie's doing great. Julie's doing wonderful. Thank you guys. I appreciate that a lot. Somebody points out Bob Costas and Vince McMahon's professionalism. Oh yeah, go back and look. <laughs> Guys, if you're here, we are at 669 nice likes. Let's get to 1,000. If you're here, there's thousands of you here. Just leave a thumbs up. It helps us out a ton. Whew. Well, Arena Anarchy helped me out a ton. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know. This match was a lot. Yeah. I feel like what they were trying to do, I feel like they were trying to take the concept of Stadium Stampede, which I absolutely loved, especially the first Stadium Stampede match, was at the time when I first watched that, I remember just thinking, like, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The second one wasn't bad, but I don't think it stood up to the first one. I feel like this was them trying to take Stadium Stampede, that sort of concept, and bring it all live and kind of break up the show a little bit. And I understand some of the mentality of that because it's such a stacked show you need something to kind of help mix it up a little bit so that the audience doesn't get too burnt out by the end of the show and so i have some some mixed feelings about it oh, um, i loved it i loved it uh, it was interesting i it's almost like i'm almost still processing it <laughs> i think production did a great job cutting between everything and they played wild thing over and over chris yes, jericho that was kind of fun <laughs> chris jericho admitted at the press or at the scrum that um that it was inspired by new jack which was yes. how so many people remember it natural born killers and ecw yes. um, jericho also said that he's changed his diet for some health reasons that he'll get into one day uh, but he talked about his physical transformation and he said that this this stable started when Eddie Kingston said something about if you want sports entertainment, go up the road and it got a big boo. And he was like, okay. Okay. He called uh, Matt Menard, one of the best uh, characters in AEW as well. And he says um, that a lot of the things that get over with him are things that are kind of spur of the moment. And yes. so much of this felt like it could be spur of the moment, but then so much of it felt planned. There were so many big spots. There was, there were people blading everywhere, but it was the music. Everybody was there about the music. We you got people. 
Hold on, we got we got Amir saying Wild Thing uh, played all the way through it. Brent Lockman says the crowd reaction when Wild Thing got cut off made my night. Seemed like they wanted it to go all night. Jericho pulled the ox cord out. I thought that that was clever because, um, you know, they they kind of were starting to do the new Jack thing where, like, the music's playing throughout the entire match. And then there got to be a point of, like, okay, well, how long are they really going to keep this music playing for? Like, depending on how long this match is really going to go, are they going to be playing this music the entire time? And so I almost feel like Jericho pulling the ox was, like, the perfect way to sort of cut off the music to not allow it to be overkill while also integrating it as part of the match. I thought that that was a very clever way of doing that. I also wanted to point out, this is the first time that I can recall ever seeing mustard used as a weapon. (laughs) Like pizza cutters, pizza cutters, who cares? Pizza cutters, who cares? Oh. Mustard, no way. That was, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, when Eddie Kingston, I think this, it was like right around the time that he was like, um, in the merch area and his shirt is covered in blood and mustard. I was like, I think this is the first time I've ever seen this in a match. And, um, it was just, it was just, there was so much happening all over the place and i i do think you made a good point actually giving props to the production team for the way that they covered that because that was a lot to cover and considering where aew started a couple years ago being a brand new company and kind of having to figure out that whole production piece i think that that just shows that they have come such a long way and being able to capture that so well um what did you think about the ending of the match with the taking apart of the ring. Oh, well, first off, I was shocked. I was shocked that they got it put together uh, quickly. Also, uh, sorry, not to change the subject. Okay. Tony Khan was asked about MJF and he said that he is not going to comment on the MJF situation. I got a tweet about that. Um, Zach Schimmel says, if we get to 1K likes, I'll need another viewers. Don't let that happen because they don't fight pretty wrong. Hey, guys, don't make me bag. Thumbs up, please. As far as the way that they took apart the ring, I loved the finish. It was walls of Jericho. And then giving Brian Danielson a little taste of his own medicine back from the Nexus debut. The tie that choked uh, Justin Roberts that he choked him with. He gets that with the ring rope. Also, I would I can't underscore Justin Roberts enough. He's going shit's about to hit the fan. Oh my god! And I couldn't he, believe that he said that. I thought he that was that so was right. Serious. He was right. <laughs> um, was I thought so it, right. I thought it was interesting. I feel we don't see really often taking the taking apart of the ring. I feel like the last time that I've that I recall really seeing a lot of that was, I think, back to the trilogy of matches between um, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa back in NXT when they just, like, absolutely brutalized each other. Um, I mean, I think that when that happens in a match, it's really interesting to the realm of story because I feel like I'm saying they're not really spell at war between these learners and... Um, the professional wrestlers representing AEW. So, I mean, I just think that, you know, it's, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, the, the level of brutality that that match 
got to. It was definitely kind of showing Tony Khan's soft spot for ECW. Um, again, I'm still processing it. It was a lot. It was. But um, it was. It was an um, interesting way of breaking up the show. Drew says, Wild Thing is excellent brawling music. Who would have known? And Aaron says, now we need background music for every match forever. Anarchy was such a refresher. Bloody mustard magic man will live in my dreams forever. They were mopping up blood all over that place. And oh, Paul was- said, Paul said, based on clips, I saw the Anarchy match. It was like Def Jam fight for New York match. Hope you all are doing well. This was, I mean, I had a house full of people. We had like a dozen people here and everybody was popping for this and laughing and like, oh my God. And all these great reactions. This this conjured up a lot of great emotions, I thought. I think so too. I mean, um, one thing that I, I think is really smart in general, and I've mentioned this on, on podcasts previously, um, the way, not even, not just this match, but the way that they group people together in order to create this match. Um, I mean, I think previously when, when Jericho is part of the inner circle, I think it's brilliant how he uses his star power to help elevate the people around him. I think that um, Sammy Guevara is a fantastic example of that. And I think that now that Sammy kind of got to the level that he's at, him bringing in Daniel Garcia and 2.0 into this equation and creating something new with them and now creating this iconic match that yeah. they are now a part of is something that takes them from being these, you know, signs on, on the roster that to me, at first, it's kind of like, who are these guys? What is their deal? Why are they special? Why are they important? Now, they're always going to be associated with this. This is something that helps Leaving us thumbs up on this video helps fight the lag. <laughs> Probably not, but uh, Nir Ravel says, I want to thank you for all the professional work you do. Started watching yesterday due to MJF, and now I'm hooked. Well, uh, we, we got content today, and we got a whole bunch of We got we got someone in it. That was at least $30 of gas. The whole pocket was blown on that little can of gas in this economy, Julie. I know. I know. The gas prices literally went up before my eyes the other day. It's wild. Yeah, it, yeah, I've seen it go from it's it's literally obscene. on the screen going up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's obscene. It's obscene, guys. Again, uh, I am aware of the lag. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about it. Um, just nothing I can do about it. We we're working on it. We'll have uh, full audio up. But listen, you can also watch on Twitter. Um, I'll 
let you guys know that. You can also watch on Twitter. There you go. Uh, we've got it live streaming uh, a multiple on uh, number of ways, Facebook, uh, a number of Twitter accounts. So there you go. Somebody says you might want to pause for a minute. We, we're just going to sit here and look at each other. Ain't going to happen. In <laughs> Simmons says, I love that ending. The storyline's clearly being set up. Eddie looking like a zombie costing the team the match. So I love it that it led to Eddie and Danielson having these issues as well. They, they, ended up fighting each other. I thought that that was a, a great approach. And Nerd Drew said the second half of the show ruled so much. Rosa Deeb, Anarchy was my favorite. Wild thing. BCC and co. Should have gone over. But I guess we'll get blood and guts. Maybe we'll get blood and guts. I don't know if they can top Anarchy in the arena with blood and guts. I, I'm telling you, blood and mustard. That's the next thing that they've got to book. We also have uh, Jay Adam B. Farm saying... What Dane Bryan or Brian Daniels do you prefer? The Justin High, Robert's tie neck choke, or the Jake Hager turnbuckle uh, fish hook? I I like the Justin Roberts tie choke, but I love that Jake Hager finish. I thought it was great. I actually, I when I saw him going for the, the turnbuckle spot, I I actually like reacted out loud as I saw that. I'm going to have to say that one just because when I saw him doing that, I actually like physically reacted to it in real time. So uh, a reminder guys, for those of you who are having trouble with the stream on YouTube, we are on Twitter and Facebook or Facbook as I accidentally spelled it right there. <laughs> Facbook. Um, we are right there. So uh, you can tune in over there. The stream is fine. It's a YouTube issue. YouTube is it's, you know, it's just a YouTube issue. What can I say? They do all kinds of wild stuff. JB Love says, I was laughing at the beginning of Anarchy, but by the time Mox was stabbing MFers with a fork, I was on the edge of my seat. Me too, my friend. This was a blast to watch. And Aaron Alvarado said, bloody mustard magic man for champ change my mind. <laughs> I can't. I can't. He's really good. Hey, what's that over there? Says, do you think the Lita would ever join AEW to close out the Hardys last run as a tag team? Uh, Lita and the Hardys will not be doing business. That ain't happening. No chance of that. No. NBA Mix Doc says, off topic with Naomi and Sasha suspended, are they going to sit out their contracts in their prime? Well, if if it's really not pay as uh, as reported by Dave Meltzer, then I don't believe they can freeze that deal. So, again, guys, head over to uh, Facebook. We've got a, a live stream over there or Twitter. But leave us some thumbs up before you do. I hate that we're not going to hit that thousand mark. But Rob Wilkins says, check out coexisting with Bob and Maggie. Wardlow's half-brother Wablo saying happy birthday on Fightful Overbooked every Friday at 3. Well, we got Roosh joining AEW. He is joining uh, Andrade and the AFO, which I, maybe not the AFO anymore because Andrade hates name what do you think about roosh joining lake says as one of the four people who watched roh in its last year of existence i'm happy to see him there i'm i'm interested to see andrade doing something a little bit different because i feel like andrade in aw at least for me has been a little bit underwhelmed thus far i just think he's capable of a lot more than what we've seen of him thus far I was not really a fan of the Hardy family office in general. I feel like 
there were just too many people involved where it got very convoluted for me. And then I also feel like that iteration of Matt Hardy just is not my favorite yeah. in general. So I didn't really like them playing off of that so much. Um, I think that this is a new opportunity for Andrade to do something interesting. And so I'm very open to seeing that. I, I really liked actually originally where they were going, having Andrade paired up with uh, Vicky Guerrero. And I was kind of disappointed that um, they seemed to drop all in that because I remember the first time the two of them came out together, I was thinking this is brilliant. So I'm not quite sure what happened there, but I think if there's any opportunity for them to sort of revive where they were going with him, I think that that's a good call. We've got Shimi saying we're dot continue punk page punk defends the belt till uh full gear punk page takes a bit of a breather ends up in a casino ladder match and faces punk at full gear oh i definitely want to see them run that back in the future oh, yeah. but el Ravelez says rush el toro blanco is in aew i'm very happy to see it i think that he and andrade instantly become a marquee team action says that the athena and rush debuts were undersold two amazing talent that will shine in aew yeah, I would have put that on. I would have had maybe one debut tonight, one debut, and then you can kind of divide up the rest between uh, a, a lot of the other, a lot of the other stuff. Hey, what's said over there is with the addition of Roosh and hopefully Dragon Lee, the AW Tag and Trios division is going to be insane. Well, we had a tag team match that I thought started out slow and it really picked up. Rick Starks is fine, from what I'm told. Who? Uh, Dante V says, shout out to Ricky, who takes after Kota Ibushi in the net department. There were two times in this match I thought for sure Ricky Starks was going to win this. But instead, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, I thought for sure this match was over. Or this 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 title reign was over. I'm glad that it's not, first of all, mm -hmm. because we are big Jungle Boy fans in, in this household. I think that out of all the four pillars of AEW, I remember for a long time, it just felt like, when are they going to put him over? When are they going to give Jungle Boy the win? And then finally, finally, he had the big tag championship win. And I'm glad that they're giving him a solid run. I love Luchasaurus just as much, but I just think Jungle Boy is so special in the way that he works in the ring, even when it, he almost boshes something, which is, I haven't seen a lot, but I remember in some of his matches, little little spots that it seemed like he almost could have botched it. And even so, he finds a way to save it at the last second. I just think that, um, you know, some of the work that he does is so original. Um, I mean, he's definitely a high flyer to look out for in, in the way that he um, puts in a very original twist on a, a lot of moves. Um, and then him and Luchasaurus working together as well, I think is just the brilliant um, juxtaposition between Luchasaurus and his size and Jungle Boy and his crazy um, athletic ability. Um, but this was a great match. There were some really great spots in this match. I loved the spot where uh, Strickland uh, went off of Keith Lee's chest. Yeah, uh, that was something that I thought was again very original. Um, and the way and the way that they executed it, it was it was interesting because I feel like in the the six man tag with House of Black and Death Triangle, there were a lot of dives. Some of the dives were great, but there were just so many. There were some that just didn't 
land quite right. And, you know, commentary always finds a way to, to sell it off, but you can kind of see it. Um, but that could, that was a very difficult spot to, to get just right. And it looked amazing when they did it. Um, and I, I really actually, I liked the pairing with Strickland and, uh, Keith Lee. I thought that, you know, just jumping off of that spot that I mentioned, they complemented each other quite well. Um, Ricky Starks and, uh, powerhouse Hobbs had a really good showing, especially Ricky. Oh yeah. Um, the little, he was amazing. I I thought, Oh, charismatic. Yeah. To push him to the moon. Um, the little spot that he did where he was walking on the rope and he kept, he was kind of going a little bit longer than people normally do. And it was like, okay, like he's confident he's showing off. Um, and then, you know, he ended up falling and, the rope was in his groin, uh, inevitably, but that was a great little spot. Just the way that he was working that charisma as he was walking the top rope was fantastic. Um, I just, that was a, a match that everyone really showed up for. And I also think that the placement in the card was smart and that it was later in the show, but it was like something that really kept everybody energized. It's hard when, when you're that late in the card in such a long show, but I felt like they, really nailed it in getting the crowd invested. Zach Schimmel says, hear me out. FTR is ranked one. Let FTR be the new belt collectors. They really are still hot as a tag team and could pull out a good story. I, I would agree. I would. I love FTR. absolutely love them. They're, and, uh, they're absolute pros at everything. They, they don't even need to do anything in a match. And it's, they could, I mean, they could just do taunts and abdominal stretches and it would still be a great match. They can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel says, crazy idea, but AEW needs to change their tag team rules or enforce them. When all the early matches became tornado tag matches and the refs don't do anything or lose control, it makes the refs look incompetent. That was my issue with this match. They were teasing doing stuff behind the refs back in a triple threat match, which typically don't have DQs. But beyond that, like, bro, it's Rick Knox. He don't give a shit. He doesn't care what you do. Boys will be boys is what he'll say if you hit somebody with a title belt. But, uh, the Panda says, I was expecting all four pillars to fall tonight. Uh, I did. I was expecting that too. Uh, and I'm not meaning like a changing of the guard, but I thought that the, the title reign was going to end and we were going to get the Christian turn, but they're teasing us with it. They really are. Nerd Drew asks what the blue hell they're doing with the tag titles. Swerve and Lee are effortlessly uh, cool and over as hell. Idiocy not to belt them up tonight. I mean, I get it. They've only been teaming for a month and a half, so could be a bit quick, but that's how they got around them contending for the titles was they got challenged by the champions so they could kind of skip the line. Probable cause says, forgot to do that way earlier, but I wanted you guys to have your cut. I hate uh, the time being wasted with the tag titles. The Christian turn we know is coming that cost them the title should have been done here. Folks wanted to change. I do think that folks wanted to change. Were you kind of feeling that as well? Well, I was a little bit... Um surprised i was kind of noticing there were a couple moments tonight where they had baby faces doing kind of heelish stuff and i feel like christian was a good example of that just in some of the interferences that he made in the match because it's like you want to protect your team and you want to ensure that they get the w but usually as a baby face i feel like there's certain ways that you don't interfere because you're typically the one that's more so playing by the rules. Um, I also thought I, the, um, this is just way 
quickly jumping back to a different match, but the um, usage of the the crutch by Anna J in the TBS mm-hmm. championship match was a little bit odd. I was like, that's yeah. Um, I mean, when you're trying to overcome Jade yeah, Cargill. You're trying, <laughs> yeah. When you're trying to overcome Jade Cargill, I can see, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But I always just kind of question the storytelling a little bit when I see baby faces doing heelish stuff. And that's not necessarily the intention long-term. Uh, we've got, Dante Martin announcing he's going to challenge for the TNT title. That's pretty cool. I'm for uh, it. Lord Zypher says, not too surprised. Uh, Jungle Express uh, retained tonight since I think FTR will take the belts off of them and feud with the Hardys. What do you see next for Lee and Swerve? No way they break up this early in a teaming and feud, right? I hope they do. I would like to see more of a heel edge out of either one of them. Honestly. I, but I would love to see them work together. A short-term team. That works for me. That works for me, too. I mean, I really enjoyed what they did tonight. I thought that they played off of each other very well. Um, But I do want to see, particularly from Keith Lee, I want to see a really strong singles run because I feel like that's kind of why everyone wanted him in AEW in the first place. I feel like people were disappointed that when he went from NXT to the main roster in WWE, you know, they kind of played around with him a little bit and then he got released. And I mean, he's capable of so much that I think people want to see him get a big push and, and do something really creative and really interesting as a single star. Guys, we are heading towards our main event. Um, Please leave a thumbs up. We need 124 to 1K. If you get us there, not only will you make a big donation, this week I'll drop news. How about this? I'll drop news on a very interesting act that basically rejected WOW last year. Some some juicy news there. And uh, the very unique response they gave that will get some chuckles. I'll reveal that on Fightful Select this week. Let's let's get it to 1,000. Come on. Let's get up yeah, there. Let's go, guys. guys. Give us let's go. <laughs> Let's go. We got plenty of super chats and humper chats, but this match I thought was a blast. The only mark I can have against it is CM Punk failing on the 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 buckshot lariat. And he failed on it twice, but I thought the way that they handled it the first time was perfect. Yes. Hangman, Hangman grabs him, teases the GTS, and then he gets that he gets down. But then he goes for it again and he can't quite get it over. Punk says that he's got it every time he's tried it, and he'll be kicking himself for a while after that. But this match was so good. The The crowd went back and forth. It started off heavy into Punk. Then after he failed with the lariat, they turned on him. And I was it, noticing that too. I was I like, did Punk just turn heel? <laughs> I loved it. Now, Tony's putting over Hangman big time. Says that uh, he's very loyal, that he... that. A lot of people know that he had his first four champs planned out and there was Hangman. I thought that he was a great champion. There were a lot of people that that implied that his reign wasn't good. I looked at it and I said they immediately put him in there. Two big major matches with Danielson. They were great. They put him in like a placeholder with Archer. The match killed it. Two with Adam Cole. They were both good. And Adam Cole and Danielson were both guys I feel like they could have put the title on. But it's Punk's time. He's getting that buzz. I think it was the right call, but damn, I love Hangman Page. He's become one of my favorite performers. He's actually, uh, character-wise, I think he's grown on me so much since 
the birth of AEW. And I think there's a number of things that have contributed to it. But he went from someone who I remember when I when AEW first started and he seemed some somewhat plain to me at that point in time. I mean, he had, so, you know, somewhat of the same gimmick still, but just the way that he presented himself, even just the gear that he wore, um, he came across as much more plain to me. Um, but I think a, something that really benefited him, I think, was the long-term storytelling that they did between him and Kenny Omega and the rest of the elite. I thought that that was another really good example of long-term storytelling. I think that there are a couple of stories um, that AEW, you can tell that they've put a lot of thought into in terms of planning for certain people for several months down the line. And I think he's one of those people where they really um, planned out what, exactly what they were going to do with him and Kenny. And then also, um, at some point when they sort of associated him with the Dark Order, which to me just seems like that might not have been part of the original plan, but it was something that just kind of happened organically. And I think that that was another thing that benefited everybody. Um, but he's really, I think also, you know, Stadium Stampede, um, you know, some of the little skits that they were doing of him uh, you know, drinking backstage. And it was kind of comical how um, he was very nonchalant about about certain things. Um, I just think that they've done a lot of little things over time that sort of helped make his character kind of quirky and likable. And, um, you know, you can tell over time his gears evolved. Um, yeah. His entrance, he really owns his entrance now with um, the little spots in his music and the pyro that he has. I just feel like he's someone who I wasn't that invested in at first. And now I've really grown to love him. You mentioned planning. I plan my mornings with athleticgreens.com <laughs> slash Fightful. Look at her. You know she's getting her greens. You know she's getting her vitamins. You know she cares about nutrition. One scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. Uh, nutritionists will tell you it's better to drink your multivitamin as opposed to eating your multivitamin, taking a tablet that might pass right through you. And now you can re uh, replace a lot of products and pills with one delicious drink. The thing I like about AG1 is over the last 10 years, they've changed it 53 times. They are constantly improving it to adapt with technology and science and just figuring out what's good for you, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free it has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. Mm -hmm. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Fightful now, you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Whenever I travel, I take my little travel pack, put it in my, my mixer, got the water, I'm good to go. It's got vitamins and minerals, dairy-free probiotics, adaptogens and antioxidants, and a superfood complex, as well as digestive enzymes. Fantastic for you. Take control of your health. Uh, AEW wrestler Baron Black has has put this over in my mentions before. Athleticgreens.com slash Fightful. Now, the big question and the big highlight of this, Julie, CM Punk's whole ass almost came out during this <laughs> match. He, he was butt-ass out there, just cheeks flopping in the wind. Paul wow. Turner out there uh, putting the drapes over the cheeks. What would you think? Were you shocked? How do you think that their response was to getting that butt put away? Oh man. I mean, in the, 
in the moment, you just have to do what you can do. I mean, in this in this business, un, you know, fortunately, yeah, I don't know what there is to say. Unfor unfortunately, <laughs> things like this inevitably are going to happen, and you just have to find. Usually, a butt comes out. Yeah, you have to find a way to play it off. I mean, there's things. I'm. I was actually thinking of this earlier. This is a a little bit different situation, but I was thinking about um, the failed exploding ring that AEW had and how they yeah. had played that off several months ago and kind of turned that into part of the story. Sometimes you just have to find ways to get creative and play things off and make it part of the story. So it'll be interesting to see if they reference it again in the future, but it could be something uh, mildly entertaining for them to poke fun at uh, on Dynamite next week. Nerd Guru says, I'm happy Punk won over the moon about it, honestly. The way it happened, though, I have questions. I think it was Punk psychologically winning the battle of the mind. This is a match uh, for him and Paige, and it was personal, and that bit him in the end. Happy for Phil. I think there are a lot of heel elements to CM Punk that can't go unignored, and manipulating this guy who has kind of, like, even within stories, kind of had some mental struggles. It seems like... Yes. Yeah, and Miles stuff says... No CM Punk heel turn. Hangman just went crazy. Could have been champ for a year with how long they built it up. I didn't like the ref bump and how drawn out the will he hit him with the title thing was. I thought that was way melodramatic, a little melodramatic for me. I don't think it needed that. I don't think so either. That was another another example of baby faces doing like slightly heelish things. And I was like, I'm not 100% sure where they're going this, if this is going to pay off long term um i mean i think in terms of playing into we've seen we've seen adam page kind of do this before um in some of the story with him and kenny and the elite and which side is he gonna go towards um so i mean we've seen this from him before it kind of ties in like you said to some of his previous struggles but um it did feel like it was a little bit drawn out and i was kind of wondering what the long-term payoff of it was intended to be over the moon hashtag punk butt <laughs> <laughs> kiss me with your best shot says the main event gave me depression i want my cowboy champion back fantastic show hope they keep the backloaded match order for in the future well i think that hangman it, it would surprise me if he didn't get like a standing ovation whenever he comes out next whenever that may be i think that that would uh He'll, he'll get the respect that he deserves. I want the respect we deserve. Leave us a thumbs up. I'm pushing you guys. I want a thousand before the end of this show. I'm not usually out here hoeing for likes, but I am. DJ Page says, uh, screw hometown or homegrown talent, I guess. CM Punk is the new world champion. I mean, Tony has spoken openly that CM Punk was one of the best investments that AEW has made. He did that tonight very passionately. Punk is somebody that I can tell you guys firsthand experience reporting that reporting that story changed my life. I'm probably in this house because I reported that story. I had a wrestler in AEW that I, I went to them before this story. And I was like, am I, am I going to get blackballed? And the morning of they were like, you got to report this story. You're going to regret it as a human being. I got to tell you to report this. Like it, it was such a massive thing and it caused a lot of buzz. Now people are going to look and say, well, why can't they get above 900,000? Why can't they get above this? I want you guys to take a look at what other shows were doing last year and then where they are now compared to the difference in uh, AEW's viewership right now. 
Hey, what's go ahead? Sorry. I was going to say, I wanted to add, I have made this comment previously, but how many years did we as fans spend going to shows and chanting for CM Punk, despite the fact that he was not there and he was not going to be there. And he didn't want to be there. (laughs) And he didn't want to be there. And now we finally have him back. And so I think, um, I will say at the end of the match, when when he won, I mean, I think you could just kind of see the emotion on his face of, you know, how many years was he away from this? How many years did he think that he never wanted to go back? And now he is reborn and he's the AEW world champion. I mean, I think you could see it all over his face. So I I think, um, you know, for the number of years that we spent chanting for CM Punk for no reason, we have a reason now. <laughs> And hey, what's that over there? Says he would love for CM Punk to lose the title to Eddie in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if that's in the cards. C. Romero says, great pay-per-view overall. No shock there. Anarchy in the arena was pretty much an empty arena match with a crowd. Going into the pay-per-view, I thought Hangman needed to win. I was wrong. Punk needed it. I'll see. I mean, I still think that there there are different things that I personally would have done. But... um, Tony is a pretty good booker by and large from what we've seen. They, the, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that Punk was the right person to win, though. I felt like it was time for a change. I also, I don't know, maybe you have a better idea of what the, the timeline of this is, SRS. I know at some point Adam Page had announced that he was in real life expecting his first child. And so I was kind he of took time off for it. Yeah. I, yeah. So I was wondering about um, if they were going to like give him more time. Well, away he or- had, he had time off. He took time off. I mean, he cut that promo and he said, uh, I was out here doing cowboy shit, but now the most cowboy shit thing I can do is be a father. And he did that. And that turned it into a big baby face promo, but I, I haven't heard of that. It wouldn't surprise me if he took a little bit of time off, but LeBron James is soft, said TK going off, TK pulling data from his people. In my opinion, Punk hasn't moved the needle since ratings are always at 900,000. I disagree. There are other metrics that you can kind of uh, look at there as we have uh, Zach rallying up the troops and Luis getting us us to that thousand. I will say uh, CM Punk moves the needle in terms of how many grown adult men I've ever seen crying <laughs> when he returned. Buddy, I was I was crying because my story came true. Yeah, well, I just, I never said the the raw emotion that was filled that arena when he returned. That in itself moved a needle. I don't. That's all I needed. <laughs> just just that bad reaction. We've got a couple more Super Chats, and I'm going to read some more from uh, the Scrum as well. As we wrap up, I don't usually go over I don't usually go over 90 minutes, but two hours. Here we go. JB Love says, I don't think that Punk deserved the belt yet based on his AEW work alone, but I'm betting the story isn't over. Hangman just got a little more interesting, so I'll ride along. I would love to see Hangman like start hanging out more with Dark Order again. And then them being like, wait, you weren't hanging out with us like at all when you were champion, but now you are? What's up? What's up here? Uh, Matias says, are Owen Cup titles only for memorabilia or else? I don't know if they're marketing those at all. I don't know if they're selling those, but um, 
I mean, it was very nice. I love that there's a cup with both of the names, and then there's two titles. I really, really like that. And we've got JB Love saying, one last Fightful Appreciation Super Chat. For the record, technical difficulties are few and far between on these shows. Uh, great job, Julian SRS. The GOAT, as always, sub to Fightful Select. We definitely encourage you to do that. I don't want to shill too much, except for those thumbs-ups. Except for those thumbs-ups. And um, the broadcast did say that uh, that those won't be those titles won't be defended. But, I mean, that, that's it's just there to to give something else to, to give more of an inspiration. Uh, we have people saying, do AEW wrestlers do mainstream media? Yeah, they've done. I mean, there's bar rescue recently. Uh, there's carpool karaoke. There's, there's been uh, a couple of those things. Uh, more notes from the scrum. Tony says that working with new Japan is a major coup and he got to lay a hammer down in a major goddamned way. Dang. Dang. I See, listen, I know a lot of people are like, unprofessional. Listen, I get spicy on Twitter too, but you know what? I make the rules. I run the site. He runs his company. He makes the rules. Vince makes the rules. He runs his company. If you if you have the ability to do that, you can do that. You deem what is professional. Um, Tony also uh, is pretty bullish on the future of Warner Discovery after the meetings. And um, he says that the meetings went very well and that, that he's very excited about the future. That's good news. Uh, but Denise asked him what advice he'd give 2019 Tony today. And he says he'd trust his instincts about working during the pandemic and tell him that they could make it safe at the wrestlers uh, at the time. Wrestlers were all pulling in different directions and it worked out great. Uh, but tell him the thing that he was already going to do was a good idea uh, but Tony was giving uh, some stats about some of the th- safeties of drive-in theaters, I guess, is what Trevor Dame says. But uh, I want to thank you guys. We got to 1,000 uh, likes right here. I, w- I was a big hoe for him today. But Zach Schimmel is about to hit that donation for us before we go. Julie, as we wrap up, plug your stuff. Tell the people where they can find you. So the main place where you are going to be able to find me is my Instagram, which is on screen, but it is also um, the crown jewels. Crown is with an E at the end. Had a little moment where the English spelling of it was already taken. So we made it work and we added an E. So you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm going to be sharing most of my wrestling content and other content as well. So thank you so much, SRS, for having me. This is always such a pleasure. I know this. there was so much content to go over today. So There was. and I am glad that we were able to get through all of it. Uh, this is the first post-show, AEW post-show I've been on in over a year because I'm usually at the show's. Uh, and uh, to give you guys a little behind the scenes before that, like Denise goes there on her own. She's on there as the independent journalist that she is. But now we have the, the wonderful dudes at Grapsity who did a great podcast live from the Blue Wire Studios. I want to shout out Blue Wire. They didn't have to do that. And that was very cool of them. Uh, Will does incredible work for us there live. Reg got his theme song of Paige Van Zant's debuted tonight. Uh, that That is just incredible. And Phil does... Phil has been doing work with us on each of the last three Double or Nothings. He co-hosted with me, uh, I think, two years ago. He co-hosted with Jeremy last year. And there he is with the Grapsity guys at the Scrum this year. Phil does incredible work. 
And those guys bust their asses so hard. And quite honestly, I love seeing you all. I love doing that. I don't like traveling. So this got to, to prevent me from traveling. I got to hang out with Julie and all of you wonderful people for a couple hours. And Zach Schimmel drops this big super chat and says he's a man of his word. Give Julie a raise. Not even Denise or Kate did these numbers. And they are the heels of Fightful. What a milestone to see the growth of Fightful. AEW Hums. Fightful Hums. Wrestling Hums. Have a great day. Well, we thank you so much, Zach. We love you, buddy. We appreciate you. And we got to have Julie on more. Julie fits in so well. Thank you. With I everything absolutely, we do. absolutely love doing this. I have been following pro wrestling since the ripe age of probably six or seven. So this is just a very natural, natural yeah. progression for me. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate all the love. So thank you. I want to thank our mods tonight as well. Rob Wilkins. Maggie, Luis, Drew, uh, thank you guys so much. Zach, who helped out an awful lot. Our mods uh, just did an incredible job tonight and made sure that we got everything in, in order and everything was smooth. We have Scrum coverage over on, on YouTube right now as well. Thank you guys so much. I'm exhausted. I'm dying. We are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.